Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Believe in Vikings, the week three edition. The Vikings take on the Chargers on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium, a battle of 0-2 teams that are basically, let's face it, let's just say it, desperate. Both teams have to win to stay alive in the playoff picture, or if they lose, they could, in theory, join a very small group of teams throughout NFL history that have gone from 0-3 to the postseason. So one of them just wants to get off the schneid and win the game. I am your host, Austin Baker. I'm here with Bryant McKinney, Sal Spice, and Ron Soff from Eden Prairie. And then tonight we're going to talk to Sean Merriman, who played for the Chargers and the Bills. We're going to get his take on some of this Vikings and Chargers stuff. He should join us for about 20 minutes at the top of the show. First, however, betonline.ag. That's the only source for all of your betting needs, folks. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and, of course, NFL. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in all the action. Remember to use this promo code BLEAV, believe, BLEAV, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's also known as free money. Bet online where the game starts. And I believe in Vikings tonight. We're here with Sean Merriman. Sean, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? Not bad. We're going to launch right into these questions for you. The Vikings and the Chargers play on Sunday, the battle of the winless, if you can believe that. And my first question to you is, how much is it in a player's psyche that if you dip into an 0-3 hole, most teams don't come back from that? Is that well known this week or what? Yeah, you don't you don't go into the locker room saying if we lose three games our season it's over, right? That's not the, you know that's not a mentality you have, but you notice some change is going to come, right? You don't go zero and three, zero and four, and start losing out without there being changes in the front office, changes to the coaching staff, guys getting benched. You know that a tornado is coming. You know that the, the storm is coming. That it's going to be changes. So as a player, man, you go out there and you want to you want to stay upbeat. You don't want to go into the locker room like there's a funeral, right? Um, and you know, kind of be negative about it and try to stick, just keep upbeat. But at the same time, man, you you go, you somebody's gonna be on three, and there's gonna be changes from top to bottom. So, hey, Bryant, in 2005, uh, that's that was a love boat season, by the way. Uh, the Vikings started 0 and 2, they had 12 turnovers in two games. Bryant, uh, do you remember what a, what the mindset is when you're 0 and 2 heading into almost a desperation early season um, game? That was part of the reason why we had that gathering. Because um, <laughs> after that, we went on a seven-game win streak, and it turned the morale around, and it was us against everybody. So it, it kind of served its purpose. <laughs> well, that's that, that is gold. All right. <laughs> well, it, hard it, it, to argue with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a mic, <laughs> mic drop moment. All right, well, Ron, what do you got for Sean Merriman tonight? Uh, Sean, nice to meet you. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Um, so my question pertains particularly to, um, I don't know if it was your only time when you came to town here, uh, but 2007, November 4th, I remember it because it was my 21st birthday, Adrian Peterson um, went 
off against you guys. And you guys obviously had a very good defense. Antonio Cromartie had the 109-yard return himself, and you guys were elite across the board. Sean Phillips, yourself. Um, So what do you remember about that game, and what made it so difficult to stop him? Obviously, we knew what he would become, you know, later on in his Hall of Fame career. But as a rookie, what was it about that game that left an impression on you? Well, I just remember seeing the back of this clink slash. Right? <laughs> that was it. Um, you, you know, it was one of those things, man, where obviously I played I played with LaDainian Thomason. And so I'm used to seeing great running backs day in and day out, guys working. But it was something about a- a- Adrian that day that I haven't seen out of anybody. And it was almost like he got angry after contact. You know, it's like someone tried to hit him. He just started to run harder. Um, and I, me personally, I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. And so fast forward, I did actually at Tim Tebow's event, like a couple of years later, we were going to a plan Tim Tebow's charity, uh, golf event, Adrian Peterson, the AP sitting, sitting behind me. So I said, you know what? I got to get this out the way, dog. What happened? Who, who said something about your family? Who slapped your, your, your mom or something like something happened before that game? Cause I'd never seen anybody run that angry before in my life. And his response was, it was basically like he wanted to show up LT. He wanted, you know, like LT was on the opposite sideline. He wanted to come to that game and he wanted to show, you know, he he was one of the best to do it because he was, he was you know, grew up watching LT. And so I ended up texting LT and I said, thank you. I appreciate that, right? Because it was your fault <laughs> that uh, AP went that way. And you know, just kind of, it, it was it was something to see, man. I mean, you know, even being there on the field at the same time and watching that in real time, it was like I've never seen anything like that. Brian, you said uh, a couple times on this show that you could tell from Adrian early on, even before that season started as a rookie, that dude was gonna be gonna be good. Um, do you have any additional memories about the game Sean just mentioned? Um, no, I just remember it being like a real physical game. I knew they had a great defense, and um. I, I knew that AP had the potential, but I didn't. I didn't see like, you know, him, you know, getting like the two hundred and ninety something yards. But I knew he had the potential to be great. All right, Sean, what was you guys' reaction yeah. after that game? Oh, right. ours. Yeah. Oh, it was. It was. Well, it, we, it we. It was a cemetery on the plane. <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was a cemetery because you you got to think. Um, and that was also the year that we started out. You know, we we talk about these two winless teams. We also in those started out one and three, right? And so the country, the media, we're getting slammed by everybody. We got one of the best defenses in the league. We got you know the best running back at the time in the league, wide receiver, tight end Antonio Gates, Philip Rivers, Lorenzo Neal. We're stacked, and we started <laughs> season one and three. Um, and so we're already getting hammered in the media in the first place. And then go, you go out and 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 have Adrian Peterson break break the rushing record against us. I mean, we're just getting killed. And, you know, kind of fast forward, we end up playing the AFC Championship mm-hmm. that year. And so when we talk about these 0-2 teams, 0-3 teams, um, there's a sense that you can turn this thing around. And we did. And we were getting hammered by everybody. And, you know, we we started to get get back on track and start playing well. And, and every it was water under the bridge after that. Well, one of these two teams come Sunday night will need that pep talk uh, because unless there's a tie, somebody uh, will be 0-3. Uh, one of the, the Vikings linebackers I want to ask you about, as soon as uh, Bryant said you're going to be on the show this morning, I wanted to pick your brain about this. An undrafted guy named Ivan Pace from the University of Cincinnati uh, presumably he went undrafted because he was about an inch and a half too short. So I want to know 
is it bogus that a guy would be too short to play that off-ball linebacker position? Yeah, in my opinion, absolutely. <laughs> and look, especially when when you, get, when you get closer to draft time, right? People, the same thing that happened. What's the quarterback there from uh, with Bryce Young? Mm-hmm. Right, this guy, this guy played at Alabama. He's been the same height this whole his whole college career. Now, all of a sudden, he gets into the NFL. He's too small. He's too short. Right. And so those those type of things are thrown around and there's other underlying reasons that they're not talking about and just blame it on this hype. But of course not. man. I've never look um, London Fletcher. Right. Who who should who should be a Hall of Famer one day. He was undersized and everything that the people want to say that he can ball. I just don't I don't believe in this day and age, especially when they're when they're passing a ball and, and it's a less physical game now. Back in the day, if you undersized and they're running, you know, power and I four, you know, heavy set at you downhill 30 plus times a game, that may play a factor. But nowadays you can be a little undersized at linebacker because it's about speed and how well you're doing open space. Yeah, we just all found it so odd because it wasn't like nobody had ever heard of this guy. It was during, you know, mock draft season, which is pretty prevalent from February yeah. to April. He was going mm, third round, fourth round, fifth round. And then 32 general managers said, no, thanks. And we kind of knew he was going to be good. The preseason came along. He was good. And in the first two games of the regular season, it was like, what were all of these 32 guys thinking that they wouldn't even give him a chance? And uh, I mean, there could have been more than just height, but at, at 5'10 and a half, 5'11", he's certainly undersized, but it's cool to see him blossom now. Yeah, but you got you got to look at it, too. Um you know, if a guy's slated to go third or fourth round and he slip out, what happens is in a lot of these pre-draft talks and one team's like certain teams are trying to get you to slip. And it, these things are coming out because they're trying to get you to slip. And, you know, maybe it could have been something against an agent he had. Maybe it's something, you know, there's, there's a lot of underlying things that happen that is really never going to be made public because they're talking about that in the war room. Those the, the front the, those are in in in-house meetings that happen and you just don't know the discussions and the conversations they're having. But a guy to be going, you know, slated a third or fourth round pick as good as he is and his playmaking ability to go undrafted completely, you got to think that there was something more there than than just his height. Amen. Ron well, no, kind of yeah, so kind of keeping on that the draft process. Obviously, um, you were first round pick, um, and I don't know how familiar you are with this, but you were essentially inadvertently uh, part of that Eli Manning trade um, because when Eli refused to go to San Diego and yeah. you know acting like the little baby that he was that time, um, in my opinion, San Diego got the better end of the deal because they got Philip Rivers, who I think is a better quarterback. They got yourself and Nate Kading. So three pro bowlers in the process did you ever take that personally in a sense that you got drafted to san diego as a pick that what was the giants did you ever take that in or any edge in how you played the game when whether or not you played them so i i mean i saw everything happen i knew the reason why it happened archie manning and everybody kind of stepped in i didn't want eli to go there i didn't know how big it was in san diego how, how much of a slap in the face it was until i till i sacked Eli Manning, my rookie <laughs> year. I didn't. I didn't. I never heard the crowd get so loud, and I've and I've had sacks already at that point. I never right. heard the crowd get so loud, and how? I mean, I went out, and it was like it was a parade. It was like a parade that we got him <laughs> right, and that, that's when I understood the magnitude of what happened and how the Charger fans hated this dude. So, still to this day, you bring up Eli Manning's name in San Diego, forget about it. Just leave the place, right? You got to yeah. get out of there. Because he's that hated. And so 
I just remember there's a there's a really, really cool picture of me standing over him, looking down at him as he's getting <laughs> up. Right. And it, it it's I it's iconic because that that picture is all up all over sports bars, lounges in San Diego to this day because of they the hate that they got for Eli. That's yeah. excellent. <laughs> um, all right, Sean, I got one more for you. And then after that, I'll get a pr- prediction from you for Vikings Chargers. Now, I, I write about the Vikings for a living. And this week I've studied up on the Chargers, in particular the numbers. And I can't figure out, good sir, why the defense has had its problems through two weeks. Because in terms of big mm-hmm. name, big names, it's Joey Bosa, it is JC Jackson, Khalil Mack, our guy Eric Kendricks, Asante Samuel. In the two games that I think you've watched, why can't this defense click? I just think that they're doing too much. Um, I was fortunate enough to come into the NFL and play for Wade Phillips, John Pagano, uh, Greg Minutsky, uh, uh, Marty Schottheimer. They wanted you to go out and make plays, right? Yeah, you got your you got your strong and weak side. You got to get your initial pre-snap keys and things like that. Um, but that was it. Once you were lined up and going, you got your, you know, if if it, if something goes from weak to strong side or left to right side, whatever you want to say it, you make those changes. You're done. You line up. You play football. You go in your gap. Do what you're supposed to do. I'm watching the Miami Dolphins game, and there's checks for a check. Every time they you see it, and before you know it, they're snapping the ball. And they're not ready. They're not playing fast. And they need to scale it back. That that's my that's my you know from my just watching the games and see how much they're doing. I think they're doing too much thinking and not letting go. You don't have to put too much in there when you got Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, right? <laughs> JT Jackson, Derwin James, Kendricks, like you said, uh, Kenneth Murray's playing well. You don't have to do a whole lot. You got to let those guys line and play football because one on one they're going to beat most people, right? And so if you go out there, you're doing too much. You have an audible or check for a check every time the offense. You know, go into a certain formation or they go to motion. You got a whole new defense in the way that you're calling. And so when you do that, a lot of these guys aren't going out there playing fast. And that's that's the biggest issue that they're having right now. They're just not playing fast. All right. And the last thing, I fully expect you to take the Chargers, but give me a prediction and a score. I, I think the Chargers win by 10. Wow. Um, and I know they just, you know, the, the Vikings, they just brought in uh, Cam, is it, they, is that Cam Makers deal. Did it go through? Yes. Uh-huh. And I think that was a smart move for them because, you know, losing Dalvin Cook was a was a heavy hit hit for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kirk Cousins, he's going to be what everybody expects him to be. Right. I mean, he can light you up at times. He can go missing at, at some time. Like, you, you know, you're going to get that from. Him. And I think that just his ability to catch fire is why he's still there, why he's still playing quarterback, because he. He does have these streaks where he looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And he does have this time. You look at him like, what in the hell are you doing, dude? Like, <laughs> you know, like he just he has that thing about him where he can light you up, go missing, light you up, go missing. It's the inconsistency. But the reason why he's there and he's a start quarterback, you know, he, he has been because his ability to light you up when he's on fire. Mm-hmm. But I think that what they're noticing now is that you got to have somebody back there in that backfield that's going to tote the rock and give you some sense of security blanket. Kirk Cousins is not going to do that. You need a safety blanket back there. By them bringing in Cam Makers, um, I think, you know, fix the problem for them. And I don't know how fast he's going to get the playbook down or how many reps they're going to give him. You know, if they can get him in, in some situational, get him 10 or 15 snaps, whatever it is, just so they can get him going. But that is a big addition for them to have. All right, Sean. Well, we appreciate the time. Uh, let's see. The rest, if you want to stay on, we'll talk a rest about the matchup. But uh, have a wonderful night. And again, thank you for joining us, Sean. 
You got it, my man. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Appreciate it. Guys. Appreciate it. Later. All right. <laughs> All right, we'll stick on that topic uh, with. He's a uh, great guest. He is, yeah. He and is the best. Yeah. I told uh, Ron off air. I asked that question about an undersized uh, linebacker. He's the opposite of an undersized linebacker. He's six four, and what like was he two sixty back then, Ron? Probably still now. Yeah, probably like six four two two sixty ish somewhere. There. <laughs> what was it like going up against a player a player like that, Bryant? Obviously, it was early on in his career, but uh, um, you know he's. Guys like him, I I had to be more focused and like in tune to the plays and just just really like just be focused in. (laughs) So the better the player was, the better I played. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right, let's chat on uh, the news of the day. Cam Akers, it's Vikings, Chargers, and four four days from now, Uh, Sally. I think you saw this tonight. We the Vikings gave up a sixth round draft pick for Cam Akers and a seventh. And this is all in 2026. Uh, so Wait, port, is it a six? And I thought it was just a pick swap in the sixth. Yeah, no, the Vikings get a seventh and Cam Akers for a sixth. Oh, I thought I read it as they swapped sixth rounders. Oh no, I have to go um, look at the for, graphic yeah. again. Hold on, that's I'm what pro- I thought too, Ron. But I'm probably wrong if I'm if if you guys both think that. But let me fact check that after I get Sally's response Re- here. Regardless, it's a very small yeah. price to pay. Okay. It is, and uh, <laughs> it's very sad. Alexander it could be Madison. a higher pick. <laughs> yeah, Alexander Madison presumably got two games to prove this that he could do the RB one thing, and I don't think they're going to abandon him or anything. Uh, but they hardly ran the ball at all, and now they've gone to Acres for at least an RB two solution, perhaps RB one. And low risk, Sally. Do you like it, or do you think it'll be kind of like Blacklock or Rager, where it's like, well, we tried. Honestly, I don't mind it at all. They've got to see if something sticks on the offense to get it going, and if Cam and uh, Madison can rotate carries, or you know, whatever they figure out is going to be the best method there. I don't mind it at all, especially since they're really not giving up anything. Um, a sixth round or a seventh round, whatever the actual, the actual thing is. I mean, most of the times those don't pan out anyway, so mm-hmm. no big deal. They've got to do something to, to write the ship here. So I, I appreciate them at least trying. Uh, the Vikings graphic posted on social media says, I forgot the conditional part. So it's cam Akers and a conditional 2026 seventh rounder to the Vikings for a conditional 2026 sixth rounder. I don't know what the conditions are yet. I haven't, I'm not that, I'm not that up with the times he's getting ready for this show. So yes, it is. It is a low cost, no matter how you dice it. Uh, Let's see. Let me go with Bryant. How much can an in-season trade jolt a team? It can help. um, Especially if you're not doing good, it can help because there's new (laughs) energy coming in and then it gives people like a second chance of hope, like especially in the area where you were weak or slacking in. So now you're like, Everybody's kind of like hoping this person person um, can come in and make a difference. So it, it can help. What do you think it does? <laughs> Obviously, with offensive line, I feel like it's a little, maybe a little bit different because you're not worried about like your your stats and stuff. As far as you know, being a running back, you're kind of work, um, dealing with different stats there. So, do you think mm-hmm. a RB one is going to be more intimidated by bringing Cam Akers in, or or motivated? It should make him more motivated to like stay RB one and just have be in rotation with you know the other RB that's coming in. But it should make adding him should make everybody step their game up. Mm-hmm. The one that's coming in to take over, like you know, win that position, and the other one to 
fight him away from you know winning the position. You know, so yeah. Is it I, ever awkward when that happens? <laughs> I bet the players kind of know. Like if this team of practice, they'll have an idea of who they're more of a fan of. Just watching them practice and run the ball. So once it gets there, it's really up to the individual. Sally, I hope that they they keep at least out of the gate. I don't know if Acres will play. Sunday or whatnot, but I hope that they keep some equity with the rushing attempts because Alexander Madison has not been given a fair shake to be the RB one because they've ran the ball the third least in NFL history from any team through two games. Uh, And then when they do run it, the offensive line has looked like shit. And then third, they've played against Vitavea and uh, Jalen Carter, the two of the best interior defensive lines in the NFL. So I don't think this is RIP to Madison's RB one job, but it's certainly uh, they are indeed, I think, looking for a kickstart. And if it comes the, from the way of Acres, a, a second rounder in the 2017, uh, excuse me, the 20, let's see, 2020. 20, no, I was talking about where he came from. I think it was the 2020 oh, NFL draft. It was draft. the Jefferson year. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, he was the running back Florida State that took over for Dalvin Cook. Uh, so now he's taking over for Dalvin Cook uh, with the Vikings. Interestingly, interestingly enough, Ron, your take Acres to the Vikings. Is it a, a nothing burger or does it get you rejuvenated? I mean, I like it. I'm a big Acres fan ever since his days at Florida State. Obviously, the last year and a half or so, there's been something weird going on with him in L.A. Um, I know like it sounded like he had mental health issues or whatever, that he was away from the team. And then he came back, and he was dominant last year. And then all the offseason, they don't bring in anyone else. And it's like, oh, he's going to yep. be the RB1. But clearly, there was something, some disconnect Um with him and McVeigh one way or another. Um, obviously it's not bad enough to the point where McVeigh is, is getting rid of him to like, obviously um, O'Connell and him are familiar with each other. Mm-hmm. Like uh, going back to the um, what days in Washington um, mm-hmm. or, or so um, yep. he wouldn't just send him somewhere, you know, it, without having like good faith. I'm assuming that there's some sort of connection between the two of them. So I think it's a good for, for acres for the new situation, but also good for the Vikings because you're getting that buy low, you know, it costs nothing. It's even on a, whatever the rookie deal is that he's on, it's cheap. It's, you know, the difference between, uh, you know, what, who's a sixth round pick versus seventh round pick. And, you know, unless you're hitting on Tom Brady, it's mm-hmm. the difference between, you know, a Willie Beavers type player to an Ole Udo type player. So a uh, big deal. <laughs> My question but, uh, is, to Viking fans, does it look like that the starting running back wasn't getting the job done, so that's why we had to get somebody else? I, I think more so ball security would be the biggest yeah. concern because, yeah, like Dustin said, we faced some difficult fronts the first couple of weeks and just haven't been able – or our offensive line struggled, which, you know, in a way it's – I'm more happy with uh, bringing in Dalton Reisner. Like, yeah, we're getting to that. that to me is the <laughs> so I, I. But the fact that uh, they're making moves, like the they have this cap space, and they're not just sitting on it. Like it's a low cost or you know low risk, high reward type move to get acres, and uh, I'm a big fan of it. So even just in a committee type role, like I'm not saying he's going to take over from Madison, but he has more explosiveness. Like he mm-hmm. has a lot of that Dalvin Cook in him the way he runs. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's about six, seven weeks ago, Bryant, uh, the Vikings were working out running back seemingly every day, whether it was Kareem Hunt or Mike Davis, kind of these uh, veteran running backs. So we kind of saw the writing on the wall that they wanted more experience or depth. And then they ultimately signed a guy from Miles Gaskin or a guy named Miles Gaskin from the Miami Dolphins after he was cut at the 53 man roster trim down day. And we thought they were set. 
Um, and then they've showed up to this season and hardly run the ball at all. I mean, if you were playing Madden, like the Vikings are throwing more than you would throw the football in a Madden football game. They're throwing it 79.5% of the time, which just isn't sustainable. It's fun, I guess, if you're winning, but it's not sustainable. They were behind a lot too, though, weren't they? In the, in the second game, yeah. Um, but they didn't even throw it when things were still even Steven against the Bucks. It just, okay. yeah, I don't, we, it's one of those mysteries because for a lot of our lives here, Vikings football has been defined by, you know, Adrian Peterson or Dalvin Cook doing his part up front. And then, mm-hmm. by the way, you've got Randy Moss and Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs do the rest. But we just come, these two games have been like, nope, we're not even going to bother running the football. And then when they do try to run, it's either a fumble or some stupid shit happens. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I, and this is after eight months of an offseason where everybody associated with the team said, we're going to be running the football more this year because we want play calling mm-hmm. balance. And then it just hasn't happened. But here we are. Uh, Dalton Reisner was the big news before the Acres news. And uh, Sally, I'm going to ask you about this guy. Uh, he is a connection to Chris Cooper, the Vikings offensive line coach. That man was an assistant offensive line coach in Denver. So evidently the, the relationship was there. And Dalton Reisner does one thing that we don't know about very well. He protects quarterbacks better than he uh, run blocks. It's like the complete opposite of what we had in this town for 10 years. So the Reisner move plus the Acres move are these things that are like, all right, well, you know, we're still kicking here. What are you thinking? Well, again, I mean, it can't get much worse, right? So <laughs> I, I, I like it. What confuses me about it is what he came for a visit in August, came to the facility, hung out for a while. We already knew about the, the connection um, with, with the offensive line coach. So it seemed like it would be a good fit. And for whatever reason he left and he did not get a deal. He also didn't get a deal with any other teams, which I've always been perplexed by because he was Mm -hmm. seen as the top free agent as far as offensive linemen went. And he is only 26 years old and he was a 41st overall pick. So I'm still very confused as to why he is available week Mm -hmm. three, but I mean, I'm glad that they did something. And as far as I understand, you know, it's pretty low risk. It's not guaranteed money. So if it doesn't work out, you know, again, pretty low risk. So I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, uh, myself as well. And plus, everybody in the Vikings orbit has been <laughs> calling for this um, pretty much since the meeting happened. And then when Ingram caused a fumble on his own teammate, like we laughed about last week, I think everybody's all right. That's that's enough. Let's go get Dalton Reisner. And then they went and did it. Uh, so, Ron, I want you to want you to predict when and where this man plays on the Vikings offensive line. So I think he he gets some run this week. Um, I don't think he'll start, but I think he'll be mixed in. Um, I, I tend to believe that they'll keep him on the left side. And I think Ezra Cleveland's the one that's going to kind of be out slash push to that. I think Ezra Cleveland is more of a left tackle anyways. Like, I don't think he ever naturally fit, at least with Ed Ingram, while he has a lot of mistakes and a lot of faults, he seems more of a mauler type player. Cleveland doesn't have that in him. Like, he gets Ed Ingram misses blocks. He doesn't get pushed back. It, Ezra Cleveland consistently gets pushed back. So, um, but I love it. Um, bringing in Reisner, I think, <clears throat> yes, 
Um, he's not as good run blocking as he is pass blocking, but we're a pass first team. And uh, it, it sounds like from what I heard, I don't know if it's credible or not, but um, it sounded like there were like half the league wanted him and kept calling on yeah. him. But after his workout here, this is where he wanted to be. And if you even look at his wife on TikTok, like he all of a sudden now pops up on my feed or whatever. And she seems a super excited about like <laughs> being in Minnesota and like that's where he wanted to be. And uh, so I, I think think there's merit to it and whether it is the Chris Cooper connection or it's just the he's looking at it as I can step in and I can do a damn good job even just adequate job and I'm not going to get roasted by the media like you're going to get praised so uh but I love it I you know come when he came out of the draft I think he was the same year that Bradbury got taken and I remember uh like I just wanted one of the those two like Mm -hmm. you know we needed offensive line so um again it's a low risk a potential high reward, um, you know, possibility. Um, ideally, I know he's capable of playing on the right side. He played some center at Kansas State as well. But I think with his familiar familiarity in the NFL, I think you just leave him at left guard and then you let Ezra Cleveland and Ed Ingram battle out that right guard <laughs> spot because neither of them have been you know barn burners as it is. So it's like let's let the one guy stay at his position. Let's put him next to Darisaw and let's, you know, kind of have a mini version of, uh, you know, the McKinney's days with, uh, with him and Hutchinson. Now I'm not comparing <laughs> Reisner to Hutchinson by any way, shape or form. <laughs> um, one thing that I can't remember if I've said on this show or not to keep an eye on is Ezra Cleveland's contract is up after this year. So um, this could be a way if they don't, I don't know, maybe they, maybe they love Cleveland. They want him back. If they don't, this is a way to get Reisner in the door and then presumably bring him back if this 15-game audition goes well because he'll probably be a little bit more affordable than Cleveland would be and more of a pass-blocking uh, t- uh, guard, even though Ezra Cleveland, out of the blue here, has been a pretty darn good uh, pass-blocker all of a sudden. Also, um, Ed Ing- Ingram is this regime's guy. Ezra mm-hmm. Cleveland is not. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they may very well give Ingram all the chance to, to fail, which – Again, it's apples to apples. It's neither one of them were great. Um, Mm -hmm. So again, which is why I just (laughs) leave the guy where his comfort level is and let the other two figure it out. Brian, we're trying to figure out when this new left guard, uh, veteran left guard could be ready. Let's say you were a free agent uh, 10 years ago or so. If you got a call on a Monday... And you I mean, it happened to me when I left from... Oh, really? Okay, my bad. From Baltimore and I had to go to the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. I mean... I played. I got there on like a Tuesday. Oh, you did. I played. I played that Sunday. Okay. So, is it uh, like, are you barnstorming to study and to learn everything, or studying? Because for the most part, at that point, I've been around. So I've been around a lot of different offenses. So it was more about just remembering terminology. So for me, having somebody who had been there um, next to me to guard just making sure we communicated, you know, I could feel comfortable, you know, make sure we communicate. So I knew exactly where we were going or whatever, but yeah, I mean, he's been around for a little bit, right? So 2019. Okay. Yeah. So it's going to take two. It's just, it's really terminology that you're trying to like translate over now because different teams call it things, you know, different, you know, different things. So it's really that like, there's only but so much blocking, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And identifying. So it's just more terminology of just communicating. So over communicate, especially at the beginning, just over communicate, you know, with um the person next to you. 
And when often, you were mm-hmm. when you were in that situation, did you rotate out more than you normally would, or did you pretty much play the entire time? I played the entire time. <laughs> I couldn't rotate out. Um, yeah, I guess I could have rotated, but no, I played the entire time. Cool. But and you not- just have to get in your playbook, and you just have to just communicate. I just felt like I was always big on communicating and talking. Just. Just to make sure, like, to make sure I'm, you know, so go talk to me, like, you know what I'm saying? And Do you feel yeah. like that was a good game? It actually was a really good game for me. Oh, good. <laughs> My yeah. first game. um, Because I feel like they we didn't do a whole lot either, like, you know, as far as, like, it wasn't a whole bunch of, like, trick plays or anything like that. So it was, like, pretty basic. I knew on pass protection, the majority of the time I had the end, you know, things like that, and run block, depending on what, you know, direction it is. So it's not too hard. Cool. Now, in in a signing like this, like obviously from your perspective as as a left tackle, like I, again, Hutchinson was out of this world, one of the best to ever do it at the position. But what is it like? Say, say he stays on the left side for Dar- from Darius's perspective, how much will that help him improve? Knowing he has, you know, trust in the guy to his right that he doesn't have to make up for those mistakes or anything. How much That's will this big, help his development? You not- but to have trust in the guy next to you is a big thing. When you don't really have trust, it can be a little shaky at times. But to have trust and be comfortable with the person next to you is very important. Um, what I was going to say there is not for nothing. Uh, Reisner should know these Chargers pretty damn well. Uh, played them twice per year, which would equate to what? Between six and eight times. And he, he hardly misses mm-hmm. games to injury. So you should know the opposition um, better than most, it would be like a Viking signing somewhere and boom, playing playing the Packers or the Bears right away. Um, all right, let's do some predictions um, and then let it be for the night. Once again, thanks to Sean Marion for joining. Bryant, this is a 0-2 team versus an 0-2 team. I told Sean that both these teams are desperate. Uh, the, the, the numbers for teams that start 0-3 go down to hell. Uh, like only 2% of teams since 1990 when the NFL allowed more playoff teams to reach the postseason. Who do you like in this game and why? I'm going to go with the um, the Vikings. Um, I always feel like it's a little difficult traveling from the West Coast over. Um, you're back at home. You have home field advantage. Uh, you want to shake off these losses, you know, and finally win at home in front of your, your fans. So, I mean, I feel like they're they should get a little motivated and kind of clean up some of the mistakes they've made. There's definitely people that's coming now to kind of fill in some positions and it should wake some people up. <laughs> and then I just feel like it should be um, a little better performance. We're going to have a real sad show if they do not win, because we're going to have to start thinking about, all right, what are we doing? What comes next? Cause Owen three, will put them right at the right in the balance for getting the number three, two, one pick, whatever it may be. Although they're probably not that bad at their core. They're not going to be much if they start 0-3. I've got the Vikings finally playing a good game at home and finishing it. Uh, 34-23. I just have visions of grandeur, evidently, that they're going to finally play a good game. Ron, what do you got? I actually um, kind of thinking along the same lines, um, you know, as far as the score, I was thinking um, 34-27. And again, the reason is, I think the Chargers are are a good team and a damn good team. They have a 
a really good roster. I think Brandon Staley holds that team back. And I think Sean Merriman touched on it earlier when he said, you just got to let these guys play. Like I, and I think that's, I think there's merit to that. I, I think Bosa, Khalil Mack, like they have a ton of weapons out there, but they seem to every year under Staley underperform. And then also Justin Herbert, like I know he mentioned that Kirk has his, he can be on fire or he can disappear. I think Justin Herbert's the same. Uh, like <laughs> he, he has those same moments where he looks elite. And then other times where it's like, you can't get a, a you have three shots to get a first down for three yards or whatever, and you can't do it. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, Herbert's the ultimate. If, you know, he'd be, have the most Super Bowls ever if, uh, if, other things went right for him, like the way they talk about him. So again, I think Herbert's extremely talented. I think he's tiers above Kirk. I'm not saying Kirk's on the level, but there's a lot of similarities in their game. So I do think the Vikings clean up their mistakes that have cost them. And, you know, when you put the ball on the ground four times, you know, on every which way, you know, you get a great punt return balls out, you know, first down run balls out, get the ball back. Ole Udo just, you know, is Ole Udo. Um, and, you know, Kirk gets gets smoked. So um, I think they put together um, a good game plan. And I think Jefferson eats again. Um, I don't know if the running game is going to have much success again. Uh, but I think I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. And, and um, I think that, again, limiting the mistakes. If we don't beat ourselves, you know, again, that could change come first quarter. You know, Madison – Lean, doing his best Alvin impression, leaning forward and fumbling the ball, that can screw everything up again. So, um, but I do, yeah, thirty four twenty seven is what uh, is what I'm seeing is again a high scoring affair. Yeah, from what I told Sean, I challenged fans just for the heck of it to pull up the Chargers depth chart on defense and is obscene the amount of good <laughs> players they have on that defense. It's it's got better better name players than the Bucks, and we were kind of surprised how many good dudes they still have. All right, Sally, with two minutes before the horn sounds here, what do you got? Well, listen, they just had 10 days off. Let's mm-hmm. hope that maybe Brian hit them up um, on the DL and gave them some recommendations for a boat <laughs> on Lake Minnetonka. And we're going to turn this thing around. Um, unfortunately, I just don't see it. I, I don't, I didn't see really anything from this team that makes me believe that they're going to light a fire um, on this Sunday. I know that they're not going to keep averaging three and a half turnovers per game. At least that's, you hope not, but I just don't, I just don't see it. I don't know. I just feel like something is missing from this team. I, I really hope that I'm wrong, but I, I do think the chargers are going to win. Uh, I'm going to go with 31 24. Will you be excited all over again if they win? Or are you, are you kind of just thinking that the core is somewhat rotten? We're in such a weird spot right now because we thought they were going to be one and one mm-hmm. and they're, Oh, and two, and we're acting like, you know, the sky is falling. Mm-hmm. We're very lucky that the, all the teams in the division lost last week. Yeah. So, I mean, if they can win, the you don't know. If the division stays in this position, they could win with not that great of a record and, and get into the playoffs. And, and they could turn it around and have a great second half this season. But right now, I mean, if they lay an egg this Sunday, I, I think there is something wrong with the, the core. Okay. All right, guys. We'll be back in one week, no matter what, to talk about an 0-3 team or a 1-2 team that goes to a somewhat easy opponent uh, thereafter in the Carolina Panthers. So you guys have a wonderful week and weekend, and Skull Vikings. Later, guys. Bye, guys.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.